0: All right, um, so welcome to this exploration session. It's called How, How Crypto is Shaking Up the VC World. And we're just really gonna be just discussing um, crypto VCs, we love them, we love to hate them. And uh, we have three amazing panelists. Welcome, Jen. Um, So I'll quickly introduce everyone. Um, We have Alex Yi, who is a partner and head of research at Republic Crypto, which is a crypto advisory and investment firm. Um, Jocelyn Chang from Luno Expeditions, uh, which is the VC arm of Luno and uh, DCG. And then we have um, Jen Kalados. From Syndicate DAO, and she's the growth lead of um, Syndicate DAO, which is a investment DAO. All right, so to let's start off about just talking about how you know like crypto VC is very different from traditional VC. I think you know there's in traditional VC there could be uh, 10 years before a portfolio company exits. And I think crypto VC is really different because it's kind of a blend of growth investing and also liquid investing because it's via tokens a lot of the time. Um, So if you, everyone here works in a crypto native VC function of some sort. Um, So if you were to crypto pill a web 2 VC, what are some of like the differences between crypto investing um, and kind of more traditional web do? And I guess we'll start with um, Alex. <laughs>
1: sure. Um, a few things I would say. Um, fundamentally, however, I don't think anything is truly different, um, especially on the venture side. It is still about finding best teams. It's about, unders- it's about presenting them with a value proposition where you can be a long-term, um, a long-term partner to them and not a flipper, but here's where I think things drastically change. Um, for for those who maybe are less familiar, um, the, the pace is incredibly different. And so um, obviously with new nascent technology, we don't have the same, say, metrics to evaluate um, as some more well-established um, industries out there, say in the traditional uh, SaaS world or biotech or, um, um, or things like enterprise, right? And so um, f- coming from that background and coming into uh, uh crypto uh, that change that in how we evaluate companies is, is incredibly different. obviously with tokens and terms and all these you know the devils in the details stuff um, I would say there's there's quite a lot of um, ways people like to complicate it but i would actually say crypto, um, the, the term sheets and the terminologies are actually quite much, much easier. For example, there's no, um, typically when you invest in tokens, you're investing in a fully diluted supply and you invest in um, a, a non-dilutive percentage. So you can't, you don't really get diluted every round like you would say in a traditional venture uh, setting. Um, I would say the biggest thing that Web2 VCs coming into uh, Web3 need to fix is just ego. Um, it's, you're not going to get um, the same sort of Silicon Valley premier treatment. Um, and you're expected to be agile and, um, um, and and very humble as you learn with everyone else.
2: Excellent. Yeah, totally. Um, so I actually came from a Web2 VC world, so I actually like totally agree with a lot of those points. Um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, we're looking for... You know, good businesses, good teams, Um, that is Web 2, Web 3, you know, that's just what VC is about. A couple of things that I think are different coming from that Web 2 background is, um, you know, it's actually a lot more about ecosystem in Web 3, it's a lot more about community. Um, I agree with you, it's actually a lot more, like, it's less sharp elbowy. it's very collaborative because we all need to work together to support the ecosystems. It's actually really interesting seeing a lot of the small state, a lot of the small grants offered by a lot of the ecosystem to, you know, spark the, the community um, helps with the cold start problem. So I think that's actually pretty unique as well in Web3, um, and obviously valuations are are different as well. But I think that's just because of a different TAM, a tol- different um, adjustable market size. So so there's a, definitely a, a significant difference in valuations.
3: Yeah, I think from my perspective, I
2: would say also. Um...
3: You know, a lot of Web3 investors have to truly understand, um, to some extent, at, at the very least, like some technicalities of the protocol, of the applications that they're evaluating, because. Largely, we haven't, like, cracked what a truly uh, functional business model or, like, truly uh, replicative business model is going to be in Web3 yet. And so you just can't sit uh, in your investment committee and just look at the business model and say, like, this looks great. Let's go ahead and invest. You really have to understand beyond that and I think that's why you see a lot of Web3 uh, investors who are successful in the arena are, are having research partners, are adding a lot of talent to be able to evaluate these protocols at a much deeper level. Uh, the one other thing I would say, because you know, I'm sitting on the syndicate side, and I get to talk to a lot of VCs and some of the ideas that they bring into the world. And a lot of them are, at least in the last, I would say, year or so, have been thinking about how can they bring community knowledge into even some of the investment decisions that they are thinking about. And that's been pretty interesting. Um, There hasn't been a fully-fledged, like, fully-functional version of that yet, uh, you know, done well by any of the fund yet. Uh, But I do think that there is a lot of potential there.
0: Um, It's interesting that all of you guys kind of mentioned just needing to go deeper in crypto. So I'm wondering in terms of, uh, you know, any part of the VC process from sourcing to due diligence, writing checks, and then kind of afterwards when um, you've, you've invested in a company, is there any like specific thing that you guys do to really like get to know the protocol or the ecosystem whether it be you know like do you infiltrate the Discord groups are you you know making pseudonymous accounts and uh, you know talking to founders that way like I'm, I'm curious if there's anything very crypto-native about the process that a Web two VC would never do. I don't
1: know if I would say never do. Uh, we definitely do have to go deeper. Why? Because a lot of the users we have right now exist in a bubble of trader and institutional users, um, and until we penetrate a larger market with crypto, um, we have to go deeper because of the following. If we don't have companies bringing us traction with real users and cash flows with real business models, then um, on on one hand, in the traditional VC world, you can say, I don't care if if you've copied somebody else's code, if you're able to execute better on it, then there's a conversation to be had. You're a better business person. You can take this idea to market better. However, in crypto, until we penetrate that, we have to figure out what models or what technologies are worth copying in the first place to then compete at a commercial um, level and penetrate the market. Um, I would say to that extent, this is why we have to be extra careful when we um, uh, when we look at these technologies. Um, I would say the thing that, you know, isn't different is that you, you, the biggest risk to any startup, I don't care if you call it decentralized or not, is whether the founders um, have a risk of quitting. So. One thing we really, really do is try to get personal and understand whether the founding team that's behind these protocols uh, is what their motivations are for being in the space, Um, and this can happen over uh, a variety of different types of social events, and I would say um, understanding um, that their skin is in the game here, um, and they're really uh, um, invested in this idea, not for clout, but for a variety of other very valid reasons, um, is probably is something I uh, would focus on.
2: Yeah, we actually have a slightly different um, approach. I should clarify that LUNO Expeditions, we invest at a pretty early stage. Um, so we do pre-seed and we, seed, we do seed investments. So frequently like there is no, there is no product you know, yet to, to really diligence. Um, so again, like, making sure you really get to know the team and understand um, what their background is and what their motivation is, is critical. Um, we also invest very globally, so we're part Luno, which is actually in 43 different countries, and originally started in South Africa, it's um, it's very global, and we really try to have a very global mindset as well. And as part of that, um, we have to be very mindful of regulation because it can obviously vary really uh, look widely between like Nigeria and Malaysia and South Africa and like, Burkina Faso and <laughs> Uzbekistan. So for, for us, it's actually important to understand the regulatory landscape where um, where the startup is and. I mean, again, like super early stage, right? So we're not saying like this is your legal opinion, like this is how you work with it, but understand their mindset toward regulation. Like do they understand what the regulation is? Are they thinking about it proactively? Are they engaging from the start um, so that they can navigate um, these frequently like unclear and you know kind of gray space regulatory landscapes. So yeah, we really look for that uh, aspect as well. Yeah, that's a good point, the regulatory.
3: Yeah, I've just touched on a little bit on the regulatory side too. I think it's also important, um, you know, that we strike a good balance between like pushing the boundaries of innovation and trying to figure out what is possible, what new structures um, can be built, but also staying with the confines within the confines of regulation, uh, because there is a reason for certain, you know, why there's a regulatory body and all of these rules. And teams that uh, I, I, I think that teams that thrive are the ones to like, strike that balance between the two. Um,
0: let's talk a little bit about you know, founders and kind of access to capital. So it seems like in crypto, um, which is flush with cash, uh, founders have all of the traditional venues that Web2 founders have in terms of you know, VC funds, but, um, but, but in crypto there are also you know, layer one ecosystem funds that are willing to cut checks to founders and projects. We have investment DAOs so they can get funding from decentralized autonomous organizations. And then also it seems like every uh, organization a lot of crypto companies have a VC arm, so we have market makers having VC arms and, and also lunar Expeditions is also another example. So it's interesting that we have a bunch of diverse perspectives here, but I'm um, interested in how you know the, the crypto VC ecosystem is, is a lot more diverse than in Web2 VC and what you see all of these different organizations uh, doing in terms of adding value. Uh, I guess we can start with Alex (laughs) sure
1: Um, I I think it's I think it's overall a net good thing um, to have a diverse set of investors in the space Um, I think the biggest uh, con to that um, is how that disrupts how we value companies at the early stage Um, yeah you guys may hear about say the differences between say a pure say uh, C to A financialized VC versus a strategic one. And so the strategic one has less incentive um, to um, directly pursue um, say, multiples on their capital compared to the pure VCs. And so the question is, um, with the amount with a record amount of dry powder going to such a diverse um, um, set of investors, um, how can we prevent from companies uh, or founders essentially feeling that moneys easy? Um, and that it's, it's, it's too easy to start. I would say that's, this is what has caused a lot of talent to become, I think, dispersed inefficiently because of record-high dry powder and a record-high willingness to back companies at inflated valuations in the private world, even as we see a lack of success in the um, public once they go um, to that stage. Um, so I would say um, that's, that's, I think, one of the biggest problems, but I like the diversity of interests. I, I think if we were able to... Um, come to more of an agreement on, uh, or, or, or more of an industry standard, um, it could it could definitely help scale the industry and uh, help focus on projects that are going to be killer use cases, as opposed to introduce more noise.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do think there's um, there's a role frequently for strategic investors as well, um, which can be you know very value add. So we like recently invested for in a company that does, uh, it's like an OTC um, capital marketplace for digital assets. And on the cap table were strategic investors, um, market makers, um, which uh, we actually thought were a huge value add because, well, these are, these are the clients um, of the company. So it helps kickstart this marketplace. It helps like solve the cold start problem. So actually it was really, um, helpful to us to have the strategic arms of um, the strategic VCs of market makers, you know, investing alongside us. So I do think there is frequently a role for you know for the for multiple actors, especially when you know it makes sense quite frankly when it's when it's their client, you know, when they can help propel the business. I do you know take your point very much in terms of like w- making sure that capital is you know is funneled towards the right pockets. Um, Actually, we see a lot of opportunity in, um, in emerging markets as well, because you know, again, we're we're uh, Luno is in 43 different countries, but there is uh, definitely less capital chasing talent in in geographies that are less well known, um, you know, and more reasonable valuations, quite frankly. And, you know, I think. Maybe sometimes that's because of a lower, like people think it's a, a smaller um, adjustable market size, but in a more decentralized world these days actually, it may not necessarily be the case. So we actually see a ton of opportunity in emerging markets, um, you know, both building for decentralized solutions, but also building local um, solutions as well.
3: Yeah, so Syndicate is sort of like uniquely positioned in that, too, because um, we did a a community race uh, pretty much in every uh, investment round that we did. And we also did a strategic partners round uh, recently where it was a whole slew of traditional venture funds to crypto venture funds to, uh, you know, companies like OpenSea to, uh, you know, even uh, Web2 companies and DAOs, are customers, like I could just go on and on about the, the different stakeholders in the entire ecosystem and community that participated in that um, round. And from a company's perspective, it's incredible. Because today, when I think about some of the go-to-market problems, uh, I get to like go and tap into 300 plus people and ask them and diversify uh, my knowledge base with them as well. And not just that, it also is a good uh, um, sort of like reinforcement for for us to know that, okay, we are building something sort of on the right path when so many people come together to believe in us. And it's not just like, you know, one VC evaluating us, you know, uh, only five investment analysts like looking at it, it's, it's everyone in the ecosystem, right? Um, from investors to other entrepreneurs, like competitors, everyone is looking at us and everyone is sort of like giving us a signal a little bit here and there in terms of like, we're doing something right, we're not doing something right. Our users are constantly like talking to us about it. And so when they have a vested interest, even from a capital perspective, that signal just uh, increases over time. So I think it's incredible.
0: Thank you, Um, let's talk a little bit more about a new trend um, in crypto venture capital, which uh, is kind of VC taking on additional roles such as helping their portfolio companies build out products. And so um, firms like Republic, um, also VCs like Polychain, Paradigm, um, and and Jump, these these are that have now Started to like build an army of developers and, and we know developers are are always a scarce resource everywhere and Kind of this is the first time. I think we're seeing um, You know venture capital firms having their own army of devs that they deploy to build um, To build to, to ship code for for their portfolio companies And so in what has like the role of a venture cap of, of a VC firm um, Expanded in crypto and kind of how do you view? This, um, this strategy of having you know the devs go, like, actually be um, adding value to your portfolio companies in a very, very direct way.
1: Totally, and um, so I w- I'd like to remark that, uh, unlike some of those other firms mentioned, the difference between Republic Crypto um, and, say, pure VC firms is that we did not start off as a capital deployment arm. Um, we started off as an advisory and product um, division um, to offer, Um, crypto companies, essentially whatever they needed, right? We were a scrappy team of four, and we needed to figure out um, how do we get on the map. And part of that was offering whatever help we could and figuring out how to productize it or say institutionalize it as we went. Um, And so now we deploy over a dozen engineers um, that deploy code on both Rust-based and um, Solidity-based chains. And I I think the fact that we've had to do this is a healthy, um, uh, result of both competition to um, get on the you know best of cap tables, the most competitive cap tables, um, but more importantly, establishing our track record in this area before we deployed any capital is particularly what I think has given us an edge because we've been in. The, through the thick of it with dozens of our portfolio companies um, deploying co- deploying code for you know a subset of them but nevertheless understanding their problems on a more intimate basis um, it, it both benefits us um, as well as the portfolio companies uh, uh, along the way and especially in a world where we have things uh, projects and technologies scattered across these, uh, different ecosystems, albeit somewhat, I think, unnecessarily. It's really important for us to be able to help consolidate that direction so that we at least um, may attempt to paint a picture of the future um, with our own hand and get our hands dirty to do so.
2: Um, so we have a pretty different approach, actually. So LUNO Expeditions is a part of LUNO, which uh, it was a VC-backed company before it became um, a subsidiary of DCG. And uh, Luno very much has the, you know, like built by founders, mentalities and expeditions as a par- as a result has a. Built by founders for founders mentality, and I think what we see is um, frequently, you know, VCs don't actually add that much value. <laughs> they actually think they do, and you know, like they want to like and they want to sell it. And I'm not saying they don't, but like they sometimes, you know, like want to are, are a little over eager, and you know, we don't. We want to make sure that we are only adding value in ways that we our founders actually. Um, need and want and uh, you know and appreciate, so we're not the kind of uh, investor that will go in and like you know kind of um, have armies of devs with you. We want to make sure that we're really like focused on the things that we think we can differentially be helpful with, which is you know probably things like our, our international footprint, um, our pro-regulation stance, um, links to other DCG companies. Um, but you know we're we're really trying to take this founder. Uh, first approach and make sure that whatever we offer them is, you know, actually helpful to them rather than kind of imposing upon them.
3: I think we sort of had similar things in the webto world, right? Like when A16Z came into the arena, they really redefined what uh, support means to founders. And they did that in from a business model perspective, right? Like they built out like marketing um, arms, they built out hiring arms and things like that. And those were the problems at the time founders were. Um, you know, struggling with, and also in the Web2 world, a lot of your technology was sort of like proprietary. Uh, you know, your IP was your the tech that you built in a lot of ways. But in Web3, that's not the case. Uh, it almost feels like um, in Web3, we still haven't like, gotten to the whole like business model, like how to support that fully yet. Uh, Which we are on that path, but we are in in a well-known territory when it comes to like technical expertise or like trying to like figure out what kind of open source tools that we can build for each other and I think Web3 VCs are in some ways uniquely positioned because they get to see across multiple portfolio companies what problems founders and their devs um, face. Um, like, for example, like Paradigm's Rinkaby Faucet. Like, I don't know, I don't remember any other Rinkaby Faucet, but like, I know Paradigm has built one. I can go there. Everyone knows that within the company. And so, when you have tools like that, I think at least from a development perspective, it's uh, very beneficial. And I do think that over time we will have that um, across for business functions as well. Um, how effective they will be over time is something that we have to see, but at the very least at the beginning stages of this industry, uh, I think it's pretty important.
0: Yeah, thank you. And I think another point was just um, that I noticed has just been that like a lot of the um, IP in crypto is very open source. And I think VCs, it's 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 a very Web three type of mentality, like you know having your your code out there that can be copied, um, which is you know like Facebook code bases is, is not out in the public, uh, but VCs have kind of realized that you know like they can increase the value of their bags by open sourcing it and having people contribute. Um, I want to now talk a little bit about investment DAOs, which which is your specialty, Jen. And so investments DAOs have kind of emerged as a new phenomenon in the past year as as the various different flavors of DAOs have emerged. Um, And and one thing that's interesting is that it seems like it's kind of democratized access to VC type returns. So now, you know, a sophisticated retail investor can can join a DAO, there's lower barriers to entry than investing in A16's, A16Z's crypto fund. And so um, I guess, Jen, where, where do you see DAOs going? And kind of, is this kind of a new, um, like, like do you see it as more democratic um, in terms of more people being, to, being able to access these like private market and VC type returns?
3: Yeah, I would say investing DAOs DAOs are nuanced uh, just because, um, you know, there are so many different investing vehicles, so many different assets, how we get access to those assets and everything is quite nuanced, I would say. Uh, We do, like at Syndicate, we uh, deeply believe that the future of investing is internet native and it will also have financial capital and social capital integrated pretty tightly over time and... We believe that that in general over time is also going to allow for more access to people. Um, And that's the bet we are taking, right, with building community investing tools. Um, The future of DAOs, I I don't think it's going to look like what it is today. I think there's a lot to be done there. Uh, People often think that, oh, it's all about the capital. As long as I have capital and a bunch of people to come together, it's gonna go well. I have news for you No, because you need to have strategy. Uh, you need to figure out how to like differentiate yourselves, um, right, like from your capital as well as your talent as well as your social capital, everything. And those are things that often people now don't think about, which like VC funds have to like deeply think about. Like they have to present that to their LPs. They have to get buy-in from their LPs. And so we have yet to see this. We, we are slowly starting to see this, but um, we want more like fund admins or Um, people who help run these uh, uh, vehicles um, sort of have a similar approach to how they position themselves, how they make themselves useful, and how they make it easy for people to join. Like, you know, just because a tool is available um, for people to just, like, hop in and create an investment club today in a couple of minutes does not mean that um, it's allowing access, right? Like, there's so much more. There's... Education. There's regulatory aspect. You need to like let the community that you are in co-investing with know what are the risks, what are the uh, uh, considerations. You know they should think about um, before participating in a um, equity deal or a token deal or whatever that is going to be. I think there's a lot uh, that can be done there and everyone's working towards it, but I absolutely think that it's a great way to democratize investing, especially private investing over time um, as we, uh, as at least regulation catches up to what it means to invest using investing DAOs and what structures we can build around it and such. Thank you. All
0: right, so, so I think we have time for just one more question. Uh, so it, I think currently there are probably around two main um, VC narratives that are out there. One is, uh, you know, VCs are evil. They are monopolizing certain chains like Solana. Um, they are dumping on retail as as we enter a season of token unlocks. And then there's another competing narrative that, you know, VCs have raised billions of dollars in, in the past two years and they will get us through the crypto winter and they will be our savior. And so um, just, you know, wondering where you fall. You know, which which narrative will win out, and and your thoughts on on either of those two. I guess we can start with Alex.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. I I have um I'm certainly not biased towards any of those narratives, and I think actually both of them are incorrect. Um, I think in particular, um, the future of this industry is going to be described as people who do not describe themselves as pure VCs. Um, and are able to add some type of, yes, strategic value. That means null in the Web2 space, I think, for a lot of cases. Um, The fact that all types of businesses are becoming financialized in these ways, having either balance sheet investments or LP capital in order to deploy, I think, is an overall good thing that I did not really touch on in the previous question there. Um, but And and and, um, and the key thing here is to make some of these, um, particularly tokens, very hard to dump. It's something that, you know, uh, as a tokenomics advisor for a lot of my companies, I end up writing very aggressive lockup periods, um, typically akin to those of the founders, um, and say like a total four-month period. I'll be New innovations on what you can do with those tokens while they're locked, but um, with with this idea of saying, hey, if you're, w- w- there's enough capital around, um, let's let's bring in who we want when that is w- when when we want strategic value out, especially in the say earlier or crucial growth stages. Um, but also be able to not trust anyone and take in capital and put them under smart contract lockups that will sort of uh, uh, ensure or at least make it much harder. To sell off is super important, and, and in particular, not raising from retail at valuation and sort of egregiously favoring VCs is super important, which is why we try to keep um, most of our companies from launching a token um, at, a, at a valuation which is going to, say, give an instant 10x to the VC. It's very clear that um, the longest lasting, I think, most successful um, uh, protocols out there will favor their, uh, uh, will favor their community. Um, in terms of um, uh, uh, percentage ownership, um, as well as how well they you know, engage those, and in particular, I think the non-crypto degen users, but rather the ones that um, are there because they like something else that's non-purely, uh, uh, call it, cash flow returning for them. Um, this is where I think the future for um, like, uh, VCs will have to go, and therefore, the very nature of what it means to pose as a VC is going to have to change. Um, and uh, yeah, I even have companies who refuse to raise from VCs at all. Um, and then on yeah. very
0: briefly, since we are almost out of yeah. time, um, Jocelyn and Jen, any closing thoughts on whether VCs
2: are evil or good? Uh, well, I, I don't. I definitely don't think they're evil. I don't fully agree with the narrative of either those two either. I think we're super lucky that we are permanent capital. You know, we're not like a typical VC. We don't have a fund structure, so so we really look to take that long-term aligned view with our founders. I think the one point I would add briefly is that um, you know VC historically has been like super tilted towards developed markets and much less towards developing markets and now with Web3, with decentralization, you know, I think that has the ability to be changed and we can see more capital flowing to other parts of the world which have, you know, great pools of talent, cheaper pools of talent as well that can really be able to, you know, access the world thanks to Web3. So I'm excited for we for see money to flow into those pools as well.
3: I don't believe uh, VCs are evil. I do think that, you know, given how risky this industry has been for a while, um, and how VCs had to sell to their LPs that, hey, we can give you better returns. And that has allowed for, like, a bunch of, like, practices of, like, dumping and things like that, right, like on the retail. And I think as the industry matures, a lot of that is going to go away. And I think VCs will work to make tokenomics for the community, uh, for the companies, and for themselves over time, because they have to make money as well, uh, work better. And we have a lot of potential there. And I hope they don't save us uh, from the bear market, because bear market is a great way to build conviction and in developing as well as in investing. So I hope they don't do that.
0: All right. Well, let's give a round of applause to our speakers.